0: Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass, the number one Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Hader Abani, joined by my co-host as ever, Rob Blanchett. Manchester United have won 3-2 in the FA Cup against Liverpool. A fantastic attacking performance today, Rob, against a very, very good side, our bitter rivals. You're seeing the progress Manchester United are making. It's a great feeling to win this game, but there's a lot to unpack and a lot to talk about. Rob, Welcome back. What do you make of tonight's performance?
2: Well, what a game of football. I said in a few other podcasts that I've been doing that I thought today would be a bit more of a kind of freewheeling football match that we'd see goals and that both teams would go for it. There was a kind of little bit more at stake in terms of reputations rather than points. So I think when you go to Anfield, getting a draw and a nil-nil in a stalemate is a good result. But today was really about who's the boss at the moment. Who's the team on the up and who's the team not actually, you know, going anywhere? I think you look at Liverpool, they played well. United played well at times. But what was most important today was that you took your chances. And I think 3-2 was reflective of the match. Not the perfect game by all sense. You know, there were certainly some mistakes from both sides. But what was good today was that Manchester United showed that they are not afraid of Liverpool anymore. That might feel like a given to football fans. But for footballers, in terms of their philosophy and their psychology, it's a big thing. At Manchester United today, you can see that they're no longer scared of this Liverpool team. Liverpool might be the champions, but United are the ones flexing their muscles, saying we're coming for titles, we're coming for trophies. And that will mean getting past Liverpool today, they did.
0: Rob, there's absolutely, it feels like a little bit of a shift, doesn't it? We saw the last game when we went to Anfield and we drew the game and it felt like the Golfing class had definitely gotten smaller. But today, Manchester United went out and they attacked Liverpool. They beat Liverpool playing an attacking style of play. They beat Liverpool taking the game to them. I mean, that's huge. And what you see here is we've got the team sheet here. And United rotated, which is the other big positive for me. Bruno Fernandes didn't play. Rashford looked fresh. He Obviously, he was rested last game. And that was the biggest positive for me. Having a look at this team sheet, what was your thoughts on the setup? We went for a 4-2-3-1. And uh, what were your thoughts in particular on some of the key players that came in? So I'm looking at van der Beek, who's got a 6.3 using the who scored metric. And you've got Greenwood there with a 7.9, a goal and assist. Were you impressed with what you saw from these two players? Uh, Do you think they uh, staked a claim to be starting and pushing those who have the current positions, uh, you know, to ask questions of them in terms of, you know, should I be having that starting place? Well, it's a tectonic shift when we can come into a game like this against, obviously,
2: a huge team like Liverpool. Champions have been fantastic for the last three or four years and actually rotate your best player out of the starting lineup and still win. Obviously, Bruno came on, was a difference maker. But overall, when you put that team out, it's a strong Manchester United team. But there's always that question that can you get the job done? And I think, again, we could see United start games a little bit slowly. That's when we always get punished, that first 15 minutes, when things don't quite pop around and United don't get their own way. But when you look at the the players that came in and you look at the shape, 4 2 three, one is obviously something we're very, very familiar with. Pogba playing in a pivot again. Again, he was kind of allowed to go and do some more Paul Pogba things across the pitch. I thought he had a fantastic game. He was my man in the match. Uh, but I think when you look at Mason Greenwood and you look at Donny van der Beek, the two players that both need minutes, to become more effective to Manchester United in the weeks ahead. If you're going to put a title challenge together, these two guys are going to be part of that, whether it be from the bench or from starting. Uh, now, I think it's kind of contrasting. I think when you look at those um, those ratings there from who scored, which are kind of based on different metrics in terms of passing and just really the effectiveness of what you do in the game, you can see there that van der as the number 10, especially compared to those around him, didn't particularly have a very impactful match and I think we'll unpack a few more things about him after this kind of opening segment but a pleasing thing was obviously that Mason Greenwood uh, who's a guy who's had huge challenges this season lots of off the stuff off the pitch stuff to kind of deal with and contend with you know in Mason that on that right hand side if he gets one really good chance he's going to hit the target and that ball from Rash over the top to him where he takes one one touch doesn't think just puts it in the bottom corner, that's the Mason Greenwood we all love. That's the Mason Greenwood we've known since he was 13 or 14 years old. There's nothing wrong with Mason Greenwood. He might not be a right-sided attacker throughout his career going forward. But like we said before, it doesn't matter if he's not playing as a number nine. He can play on that right-hand side. He will give you goals. He'll give you assists. So for me, I was delighted to see that Mason started the game and got his goal. It was a good cameo for kind of like an hour or so or, or kind of 65 minutes for him to to get those minutes into his legs, just like Baker as well. It was important that he got minutes today, but it didn't surprise me that the guy who came on the pitch in the end to win you the game is the guy who's been doing it for a year and, and the guy that's taken Manchester United back to where we want them to be. And that is to be contenders. The next step now, of course, is to start winning trophies. The FA cup is a nice trophy. It's not the one that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's the premier league I want, but in this kind of match, You want to kind of put a marker down. And Liverpool were good today at times. You know, they weren't awful. Their attack was ticking. But you can see now the holes in their team that certainly weren't there in the last three or four years. Yes, they've got injuries, but they've now got bigger questions to answer, maybe more than Manchester United have.
0: Yeah, fantastic points, Rob. Let's drill in more to uh, Mason's performance. I mean, Zaki's got a good point here. Great to see Mason... Performance, especially after we talked about him last time, and he showed why he's a special player. Kieran saying here, Greenwood was direct. Greenwood was direct. He looked like he was under no pressure today. That's what we love to see from Mason. I mean, we we had a little bit of a debate last week, and I said that. Mason, I'd rather see him playing more at striker, but I do agree with your point. And I think going forward, he probably is the best option at right wing because of the fact that if he can play like that week in, week out, we saw after the lockdown project restart where he was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, United got a top four position because of the fact that Mason Greenwood was, was just banging in goals left, right, and center. And when you look at him playing like that today, he is the most obvious choice, isn't he, for that right wing? And when United do have a few problems, I think still in that position, we've seen Rashford play there. We saw when um, when Bruno came on, Pogba pushed out to the right as well. It's still a bit of a problem position. It's still we're still game to game. You know, it might be James. It could be Matter, Diallo might be coming in. So should Greenwood now be starting in that right wing position? Should Oli be saying to him, "Look, go out and play, go out and uh, make that position your own, and really go and develop your game and show us what you can do"? Well, there's only one player at Manchester United who is a definite starter. And obviously, he didn't start today,
2: Bruno Fernandes. So he's the guy that starts really wherever you need him on that day. So I wouldn't say that Mason is the starter. I don't believe in any of that. I think it's a squad game, and I think good squads win you titles. But I do think that who is your best starting? Maybe you're starting three. You're starting forwards, you could say. I think if you kind of look at it in that context, for me, it's Mason. So today, you know, it was good to kind of reintegrate him back into the starting lineup. And I think, you know, can't be much more impactful than actually scoring a goal. He had another one or two opportunities and looked pretty sharp in and around the box. So I'm happy about that. I think the kind of shape then you can see on the screen from, from United's normal two and three in midfield with the with the lone striker. The issue today was at the heart of that. And that was Donny van der Beek. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and start slaughtering him or anything like that. But there was a big hole between that kind of number 10 position of where you need to press with the striker and then with the, t- the pivot behind him. And that made Scott McTominay's life pretty much hell for the whole match. Because every time that went through that pivot or up to the pivot, McTominay was exposed and that was a really tough gig for Scott McTominay. I don't think he played well today, Scotty, you know, I've seen him play much better than that, but it became a really, really tough task for him because he was having to step out of the pivot to cover the space between him and the number 10. And tactically, that is something that Manchester United would not have kind of planned for. That wasn't that wasn't a deliberate thing to leave that space because that just gives Thiago the run of the game then. And I think the, the kind of spells, the two or three spells where Liverpool were the better side, it was purely from that space between the number 10 and the pivot and how United were not particularly effective in midfield in that part of the game. Um, and it and it nearly cost them, you know, that nearly cost United the match. Just thankfully that on the front foot, whether it be Rashford on the left, Mason on the right, Cavani had did, gave a good shift up top, though I no, don't, don't think uh, he had a, a fantastic game, but he's very unlucky not to score that header right at the end, he would have, that would have been a deserved goal, especially with Bruno's cross. Uh, I think there was that midfield question today was a was a big problem. And I think Ole will take that away, break that down, and think about it. And I think the answer to whatever thought he has will be, I can't
0: not play Bruno Fernandez. Rob, good point here from Joe saying that. Uh, sorry, it's over here. The difference in benches was there for all to see and that's what it that's what it's about isn't it i mean look it's still fantastic that you can play someone like donny van der Bek. i thought today donny lacked final ball i thought he was uh he made some decent runs i thought he didn't play terribly as uh you know some people are suggesting didn't play fantastic either i think what you showed is what he showed is that. You, like you said, the off-the-ball move, uh, off-the-ball pressing, sorry. Bruno Fernandes does that ferociously. He, You know, he changes pace. He he sets the tone. I just felt like today Van de was a little bit passive. To be expected, Rob, when you don't play regularly and then you're thrust into a big game like this, you've obviously got to take the opportunity. But you're going to see a drop-off in quality from Bruno Fernandes, who's the best. I mean, look, 26 goals and assists since the start of the season. Already, we're in January still. Is absolutely amazing. 28 goals uh, since he's come in. Nobody's scored more in that period of time, which is fantastic. I mean, that's a year. So what I found today was that we saw the Fred and, sorry, McTominay and Pogba double pivot. It is statistically not worst. I still don't think it works. My, my biggest issue with it, Rob, is that I don't think McTominay is a natural sitter. And I think that with Pogba looking to you know play a bit more expansively. I just feel like the combination doesn't work. I mean, the second point is as you mentioned with Van der Beek out of possession, I think he was a bit too far forward. Second half, what United did well is they came a little bit tighter. Liverpool were turning a lot on Manchester United in midfield early on in the game. And I think you saw that with the first goal, and we can talk about the first goal here. Where does that start for you? Because for me, I think McTominay perhaps loses his man. United switch off a little bit, and obviously Liverpool score a fantastic goal. But United's goals, they did come from mistakes. And I think that's a frustration. But what United showed today is that when you go behind, they can win games. Yeah, they, they've got that resilience. They've
2: got that kind of fight to come back in matches. We noticed. Uh, I think it's really easy in that first goal to highlight the, the final stages of that goal. So you can look at the channel between Shaw and Lindelof. I think Shaw and Lindelof both played really well today, especially Luke Shaw, who seems to be a completely different new human being at left back. Um, But you can kind of then obviously look at Scott McTominay in the the centre midfield as well. The issue with that first goal comes with Donny van der Beek. He has got to press the ball more effectively. Now, it's one of these funny things because when you're, um, I don't know, maybe not a natural presser of the ball like, say, Bruno Fernandes, it's really easy to just say, well, I'm in my position, I'm in the correct area, and because I'm in this area, that's all right, isn't it? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, No. Because if you don't do it effectively, that first ball that gets played into the midfield then exposes your double pivot. So if I'm Scott McTominay, what am I doing? I'm panicking. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking at it straight away, going, "What do I do? Do I step out? Do I challenge? Do I try and intercept?" And that was the problem for Scott. He was, you know, he he was switched off to what he needed to do at that moment because it comes from the play before. And then when the ball goes through them and it goes between Shaw and Lindelof, you can see Shaw's slightly advanced. It goes through them. Uh, Salah takes a nice touch. It's a really nice finish. I want my goalkeeper to stand up. Do not dive like that. Stand up. Be big. Take it in the face. That's how it should be. Yeah, but he didn't. He did that classic thing where you slide out in front, put your arms out like that, and Salah just says, thank you, I'll chip you, and that was the goal. So that was a mistake, and I think when you look at the second goal, with oh, Liverpool, it comes from a, an error from Cavani. United actually play through the lines really nicely. They go from back into midfield, nice and quick, into Cavani. He's got no one around him, within 20 feet of him, 30 feet. He can actually turn on it, have a cup of tea, look up, and then play a pass, but what does he do? He plays it first time wide, he gives it away straight away, Liverpool on you like a rash, so both of those goals for me came from the press, so the first wave press has to be perfect, and again, this is something that maybe fans, most fans do appreciate it, certainly ones that are kind of watch United every week, and maybe more casual fans don't see that, don't appreciate maybe what happens, but you defend from the front, it comes from the top end. Bruno is so good at it. You saw right at the end of the match, in the 92nd minute, who was stealing the ball on the defender, pushing, pushing, pushing from the first wave of the press was Bruno Fernandes. So those are the things that Donny van der Beek not has to learn, but if he doesn't do it, he cannot play. It's kind of as simple as that. So I agree with what you said at the top of the program there. You said... um, You said, you know, someone obviously coming in, hasn't played a lot of minutes. There'll be a drop-off from the guy that plays all the minutes. Absolutely, 100%. You know, there's going to be fitness challenges for any player who's coming into the team but hasn't played a lot of minutes. But if you don't do the basics in the game, if you don't press from the top effectively... I'm sorry, mate, you go and sit on the bench. So this is the problem for Donnie. Now, like I saw a lot of people high on Donnie at halftime going, no, he's done all right. It's not that he's done badly. You know, he didn't have a bad game. I think on the ball, he's fine. He's very neat and tidy. Typically Dutch. He can play five yard passes. He's got that kind of sniff around him that when the ball's there, he kind of understands what he has to do. Spatial
0: awareness is very good. Spatial
2: awareness, 100%. But in the, in English football, you have to be able to press. And if you have a first wave press and a second wave press, if you don't get the first wave press correct, you're stuffing your double pivot. You've, you're killing them before you've done anything. So for me, like when you actually look at the numbers there, and if you could bring them up again, Hadar, of, the, of the team, it, it was quite evident uh, that Scott McTominay... Was a bit wasteful on the ball today, especially in areas where you want him to to maybe kind of have a little bit more balance or kind of be a little bit more economical. But when you look at the numbers in terms of effectiveness there, Scott McTominay got 7.2. Yeah, he wasn't bad today. It's just that Scott McTominay is what he is We know he's a runner, he's a worker, he's going to bleed for the team, he's going to break himself for the badge. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. You'd love a more technical player in there. He's got a technical player next to him in Paul Pogba, But at least with McTominay in there, it allows Pogba to go and do more Pogba things. And that's what we saw today. I thought Paul Pogba was excellent. Once again, being consistent in the midfield role, being asked to do whatever. In the second half, obviously, when Bruno came on, they changed the shape. Fred came on, gave us more energy, gave us a bit more of a combative nature there in the pivot, allowed Pogba to go and play wide. It worked really nicely. In the last 10 minutes, Liverpool had lost. They'd lost that midfield battle when we made that change because it allowed Pogba to then operate in space and it allowed a double pivot to go and do what a double pivot is supposed to do, and that is protect the defence. So I loved all of that. I think tactically that all worked beautifully. We can ask questions about Van der Beek and look at, you know, we, you know it'd be good if people, you know, obviously our viewers kind of ask uh, questions around that because I, I think it's not a case of whether he had a bad game. He didn't have a bad game. But is he effective enough at this moment of time to play as the number 10 for Manchester United. Unfortunately, from the evidence that we've seen, if we're looking at it empirically, you know, and just saying it is purely an evidential-based choice, at the moment, if I'm Ole, I don't start in matches.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with that, Rob. I mean, Ahsoka's got a really good comment here saying that Van Baek needs to adapt to the team, something we've said every single week. At Ajax, he was the he was attacking with a unit at United. He's yet to understand that unit, so it's always as if he's on his own wavelength, a bit uh, isolated from the team. Rob, there's questions regarding Scott McTominay. I mean, I think probably where I agree with you uh, in terms of McTominay having a role, having a place in the squad, having... A certain role to do and then he goes and does it he's very disciplined the manager can rely on him but there are times when you are playing top opposition I do think that you need a bit more quality there you need someone who has better passing I would say being able to thread the lines better I mean Cohen's got a question here can McTominay add tight passing to his game I think at times sometimes he can he's a little bit clumsy and if United are going to go and dominate against the bigger sides you do need to have someone who's got more of a passing range in my opinion more of, uh, I would say, probably more composure on the ball. And if they are going to play in that double pivot with Pogba, say with a Pogba, someone of that attacking quality, they need to be the one that knows that they're going to play the defence position, the awareness, the, you know, sort of like what Matish does. And I just think, I mean, I, I'm quite surprised to see McTominay get a 7.2 and Pogba to get a 6.5. I know it's different on other ones. On Sofa score, Pogba's a little bit higher. But um, I thought... Look, well, Tommy was pretty average thing. I thought Pogba actually ran the show, did all the hard, dirty work. I mean, you've got a comment here saying Pogba absolutely rubbishing the that poor Pogba can't defend agenda. I thought today, while individually one was better than the other, I wasn't too sure if that's a, the double pivot you should go with going forward. I think it's too... Uh, it left United a bit too open at times. Yeah, but
2: Hayda, like we said, there, there is no starters. There's one starter in this team. It's Bruno Fernandes. So the double pivot can be any of four players uh, uh, going forward week after week after week. And, you, and you're allowed to change it in matches. You're allowed to change match to match. That There is no set starter as far as I'm concerned. The best pivot for me, if you're playing it in a 4-2-3-1, allowing your front four to go and press for me is Fred and McTominay. They are the two that work in the pivot. There's no doubt that Matic is more of a screener. He'll sit a little bit deeper. He allows Pogba in the pivot to go and play and do more Paul Pogba things. So that's why that works so well. That's why that that kind of partnership has has statistically worked well. But when you look at um the numbers there for Scott McTominay, what's interesting is obviously the reason why we use who scored's metric is because it is based on facts. Yeah, it's not based on feelings do I feel that Scott did well today? Well, no, I don't really. I didn't think he was great today. I didn't think he he kind of, in the kind of situations of making big decisions or being smart on the ball. Now I don't think it was there. But all of the things that really count in your status reports comes up in the same way that it comes off that who scored report in terms of, are you doing the running? Are you doing the tackling? Are you doing the challenging? Are you looking after the space? Scott McTominay did all that today. It isn't pretty. It's not the stuff that we like. You know, like if you've got Modric in there and you've got Tony Kroos in there, yeah, you can play out from the back and it can look pretty nice, you know, in years gone by when you look at these top players that can play deep. You looked at Liverpool's three there. Of course, Thiago deep in a deeper role as a number six looks beautiful, doesn't he? Because he puts it on the deck and he can play a thousand different passes and that's the kind of football everyone would like to see all the time. But you have to look at what your squad is and what you've got. And Scott McTominay is performing a function that Alex Ferguson had plenty of players of over the years performing that function of being a destroyer, of working hard, not being technically the best, not being tactically the best, but doing the job of the day. You know, I can bring up Darren Fletcher and John O'Shea again until I'm blue in the face as to types of players that might not fit the kind of mould that others want. But certainly going in and winning the match is what's most important, isn't it? So today Manchester United won and Scott McTominay was part of that success. So that's the way I look at it. I always look at it kind of like as a, a totalitarian thing, as a kind of team. You know, how do you kind of, how does it work as a unit going forward and going back? It wasn't perfect. I think Liverpool had their moments. But overall, United did solve the question in midfield. And like uh, the comments said there a minute ago, it's Paul Pogba. You know, it is a myth that Paul Pogba can't defend. It is a complete myth. It's just about if Pogba can hit his marks. And it's not always about the partnership. Sometimes it is about Paul. And in the first half, he gave the ball away ch- cheaply twice. And that was disappointing. But again, I'm not too worried about that because he's trying to get the ball progressively going forward. I'd rather Paul did that and lost the ball. Then Scotty. And if Scotty does it, do you know what I'm saying? Scotty, give it to someone else. That's what I'm saying. I don't want yeah, Scotty. Scott, I don't want Scotty to be my tight, you know, intricate, you know, knitting passes together on the edge of the box player. I don't want that. That's that's crazy. I would rather sell him and buy someone that could do that if that's what I wanted to do. Now, that might be ultimately the the future for Manchester United. It's not the present. So I I was pleased with what Scotty did today. It wasn't particularly great, but I think the midfield worked it out throughout the game. And as I said, when Bruno came on, that was the, the end for Liverpool. That last 10 or 15 minutes, even though Liverpool still were coming forward and trying to get the equaliser. It felt like United had control there and it felt like United were going to slice them open if we got the ball on the deck and worked through them. And, and it was pleasing to see because that's a fear thing as well. You know, when you play Liverpool and you're scared of them, what happens? You drop deeper and deeper and deeper and further away from the microphone. So you do that. And people can't hear you, and then it's not as good. So it's the same with United. I think that kind of they were still on the front foot. It looked like they were going to go and get another goal to finish Liverpool off, and that was really, really pleasing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Let's just quickly touch on Luke Shaw because again, I thought he was he was fantastic. Obviously, mistake for the first goal, but he's just. You said last week that. Uh, on form, he's probably the best fullback in the league. We had a few comments <laughs> under that. I didn't say but, that. A
2: slightly different to what I okay, said. Okay, what did you say then?
0: I said at the form,
2: moment current on current form. Which did I said, Yeah. In, no, no, no. You said you said that like, like in kind of in a, in a total sense. At the moment, I'm not. I'm not saying he is the best left back in the league because that would be Robertson. Robertson's <laughs> yeah, the agreed. best player. Rob- Robertson's the best left back in the league. Who was the best? Le- better left back today? Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. So Luke Shaw I think at the moment is the best on on performance best left back in the Premier League. I wouldn't I would still wouldn't put him above Robertson at the moment, but I would say that if you're looking at performances, he's the guy doing it, overlapping, defending, aggressive, motivated, showing leadership in defense, doing everything you want Luke Shaw to do and all the things that people have killed him for for years. He's now doing, and absolutely, he deserved the criticism over time. And he's had some, you know, big, big journey for him to come back to this kind of form to be actually first choice and to, to put Tellers in his place. Tellers doesn't start any games now. If Luke Shaw can play like that every week, Luke Shaw is your starter, and Luke Shaw is going to be in your top three players of the year when the campaign is done, whether you win the title or not. So I don't know. I just think Luke Shaw, the way he's kind of pushed on and and is now doing things that we've been dying to see him do since the day he signed for us. It's it's joyous. I'm so pleased to see it, and I'm pleased for him because when you put the work in and you take it to the next level, hopefully that shows in results and in your own performances. I thought, again, he was exceptional today. You know, certainly one of United's best players on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, Rob. And what I like today, especially on that left-hand side, I mean, Rashford, I thought, ran the channels fantastically well. We saw that both goals, both the first and second goal, made in Manchester, Rashford to Mason, Mason to Rashford. What I really liked though on the left-hand side was that we were very direct and that caused a lot of problems for the young Reese Williams. I mean, he had he had a sort of baptism of, of fire there, didn't he? He really, really struggled. He had Marcus running at him. He had Cavani pulling him left, right and centre. But what Luke Shaw was doing very, very well and what Rashford they were combining. what It felt like, you know, we know this. So I think that is probably Rashford, I like him on the left. He can play on the right. But I do think that Shaw looks most comfortable playing with Rashford because it feels like they understand. There's a bit of an understanding. There's chemistry there. And what United have to probably do on that right hand side is do something similar. But talking about that right hand side, I mean, let's go back to Mason again quickly before we move on. because I want to delve a bit more into his performance, as you can see across the bottom. I mean, he was he was very good today. He's now been involved in 26 goals. That's 21 goals and five assists in all competitions since the start of last season. That's that's mind-blowing for a young lad. I mean, he's not, even, he's not even 20 yet. Still a teenager. Goal today, got an assist, 100% dribbles, uh, dribble success, 85% pass success, as you can see across the bottom. Two out of three shots on target, two chances created. That was in 66 minutes. Now, if United can get Mason Greenwood playing regularly to that sort of level on that right wing, United are suddenly going to look like a much more balanced side in attack. Wambasaka will also, he looks more comfortable with Greenwood playing there, in my opinion. So, with all these things considered, I mean, United are going to start going up a few levels, aren't they?
2: That's the idea. You know, you improve game to game to game throughout the season. It's always a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. All the cliches that we always bring out for these things. Uh, that that's what United want to do. That's what Oli wants to do. Get Mason back to where he was last season. It it just takes time. You know, if you've not played enough football, then it takes time to get your performance levels back. It's the same question for Van der Beek. You know, if Van der Beek wants to be the Van der Beek he was at Ajax and getting to Champions League semi-finals and whatnot. Then he has to kind of get the opportunities and take his chances, build his fit fitness keep coming into Carrington keep working and all of these guys on the fringes of the squad this is the challenge for them consistently every day when they get out of bed it's the first thing in their heads and for Mason he wants to play he wants to prove people wrong in terms of some of the rubbish that's been thrown at him in the last six months he's certainly not the the character that he's been portrayed in the press it's certainly not true but the best way to solve that is with goals. And today you saw that performance in six, six minutes. That's incredible stats for for him. And I think when you look at him by age group in the top five leagues in Europe, there's no doubt that his statistical return puts him in the top five percent, the top three percent, maybe in in all leagues. And that's great because even now statistically we can kind of bang on about these things nonstop, but it's about passing the eye test. And today he passed that eye test. He looked more comfortable. His touch was better. He would look more aggressive. Again, he was kind of working the channel a lot more. It certainly helped him. If you've got Marcus on the left working the channel so expertly because it gives you space, it spreads out the attack. And, you know, I always say about the front three for me being rash, Martial and Mason. They're my they're the my favorite front three. The best bit about the attack today for me was that Cavani shows you can operate with those two. So that's another kind of tick in the box. I don't really mind about individual performances because they can come and go. You can blow hot or cold, but it's about chemistry. And I think there was a kind of good 15, 20-minute period where that front three was ticking and Liverpool were on the back foot going, we don't like this, it's quick. They're they're getting through transition and it was good. And it was good that Cavani was working that out. It's Cavani's fault for the second goal, no doubt about it. Bad pass dropping in. He doesn't need to drop in there, you see. He can stay on the halfway line. He doesn't have to come so deep. Then you don't cause any problems when you lose that ball. But what was good was that front three was ticking. And it gives Martial something to think about, doesn't it? You know, Martial wants to be the front, the player in that, uh, at the front there as a number nine. If he sees that Cavani is doing the stuff that he does so well, but is also doing other things well, it means he's got to up his game. Competition within the squad is what makes you push on to the next level. That's what makes you a championship contending side. That's what made Liverpool a championship contending side. It wasn't just about Salah. It was about taking on every position and making sure that you got players that push each other and that give you that aggression through your choices. It, It was good today. I just think at the end of the game, it felt deserved like none of this felt lucky united won today 3-2 they've not liverpool they've dumped liverpool out of one of the major cup competitions and there was no luck involved at all yeah they had to fight back yeah they had to score goals that's that's a given isn't it in football but 3-2 at home as i said in the last masterclass when you're at anfield the onus is on liverpool to win as the home team today the onus was on manchester united to win as the home team yeah. And United won, and Liverpool didn't win that first game, and they and it was a nil-nil draw. That was a good sign that United were psychod. The psychology was there for them to deal with the challenge at hand.
0: Well, that brings me on to a really interesting question. You spoke about psychology well, already. There you go. That, well, is, that is very strange. I mean, I was just about to ask you. It's a good question by Arnold. I mate. don't write
2: all the comments. Yeah.
0: Do you reckon psychologically this is a big win? And there's a follow up comment from Ahmed saying that the myth of not beating big teams record can go away now. This feels like a like an important victory for Manchester United, Rob, for several reasons. For me, firstly, United played and they went and scored three goals. However way you look at it, that's three goals scored against the top six sides. And still aside, Robin, I mean, I know Mane didn't play. I know people like Matic weren't playing. But still, pretty much, for me, full strength. You still had Thiago, you had Firmino, you had, you had Salah, Trent, Robertson. You know, It's pretty much a full-strength team. But the other thing as well is that it feels like the momentum is now building. Beat Liverpool in this fashion, sitting top of the league. That's huge for the psychology, especially when this is a team that hasn't got much, many titles or trophies in the side I and mean, I know Pogba's won them Cavani's won them but not at Manchester United so it is a very important victory for me going forward
2: it is an important victory uh, you know people will talk about it being a statement victory and all of those things and uh, kind of whenever you beat one of your nearest rivals th- there's always a kudos about that's a good day for the fan base it's a good day for the team what it's really representative of is that the work that you've put in over a year that's what it represents it doesn't represent what you did on training two days ago or how you prepared for the game. It's about the process, you know. Again, I've I've used this analogy before, like when we talk about process in basketball in the NBA, where you will build your team, you know, brick by brick by brick until you get to a team that is unbeatable or at least at the top of their game. I think Manchester United have reached that that crescendo. So with this set of players that they've got, on Gunnar Solskjaer is getting the most out of them. They're working hard. They're winning games. They they look like they're operating with no fear. They've got high levels of self esteem. They believe in each other. All of these things are big things that count in football that we might might not allude to game by game by game because we look at individual performances. Today, Manchester United said to Liverpool, okay, you're coming to Old Trafford, take us on because we're going to take you on. And it was and you know, and it was a fight. And it was a good fight, and it was a fight that Manchester United won. And that's what is good about it, in the simplicity terms, is that Ole will come away from this, he'll pat all his guys on the back, and he'll say, you earned it. You earned that 3-2. There's no luck in it. Ultimately, you did the hard yards, and you got the victory. And that is a really, really pleasing thing to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely spot on, Rob. We've got a comment here from James saying... We've beaten City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. All I want us, it, all I want is us to beat one of those teams when it matters in a semi final or a final. You got any comments uh, regarding yeah, that? I, I was,
2: think I'll say. Do I get what James is saying. Thanks for the comment, James. Um, what I'll say is this: I want to see Manchester United above all those teams at the end of the season. That's all. I don't care about beating them. That the individual victories are nice. Like today is a nice day for us. Yeah, it feels good to knock them out of the cup. And they'll be wounded for this. you know. They might actually go away and be better because of this. But what I want to see is at the end of a season that Manchester United, over a 38-game period, were able to string enough victories together to win the trophy that matters. That's what I want to see. The individual games, yes, as I say, top six. You want to beat those teams. However, you don't win the title by beating the top six You win it by beating the bottom 10 or your bottom 12. And if you beat all of those teams home and away, say 12 12 teams home and away, 24 games, that sets you up for winning the title. Uh, I've got no worries about United being the top six. I think United could beat Liverpool on any given day. I think Man United now could beat Man City on any given day. It doesn't mean that you judge yourself just on those one moments because... The moments are not what we need a title. The title is about repetition and psychology, like we said there, to actually believe in yourself week after week. And I think we're there now. I think we're getting there to that point where Ole has got them to an optimum. There's no doubt we need signings. Yeah? And that's an ongoing saga at every football club where when you improve, you still want to keep improving. So we talked about Scotty. Yep, you'd like another midfielder in there that can maybe take you to another level. But I'm not looking at the squad anymore and feeling like you want to bin 50% of them. That's yeah, that's a important. big change. I'm not looking at Ashley Young and going, get him out the club. I'm not looking at Valencia and saying, get him out of the club. I'm not looking all the way along the back line and thinking, oh my God, David De Gea is saving us week after week after week after week after week. And Manchester United will be 15th without David De Gea. Those moments have gone now. Ole has kind of pushed them to one side. And that's a great thing because it means that they are pushing along in terms of the project and they're finding some balance where there simply wasn't balance before.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's like we said last week, last couple of weeks, your bread and butter, you've got to beat the smaller sides. You play the big sides, what, five, uh, 10 times, five times at home, five times away. As long as you win your home games, don't lose your away games, United's going to win the title. I mean, look, 18 of those games in the season are against small sides. United, Lost a lot of those games. We lost to you know last season Newcastle. We lost to Brighton. There are a lot of sides we lost to. This season we've just lost to Palace. A lot of factors why we lost that. So I think we do need to win the home games. I don't, I don't I just don't want us to lose the big games, but I think that's the key. Really, yeah, I mean I totally. But it's it's
2: not just a numerical issue. You know, like certainly as you will say, you play thirty eight games, you win thirty eight games, you're the champions. But that doesn't account for stuff does it that happens in a season because that is a perfect season and no one's ever won 38 games with you know without dropping a point some have come close obviously liverpool and city have reset the bar in the last two seasons in terms of how they've they've actually won games so you would love to beat the, the you know the the 12 teams at the bottom half of the division and also beat the teams in the top 6 but my, it, it's just a case of logic, and that is you would love to beat Liverpool in every match. You played them in home and away. You'd love to beat Man City, and that would give you an advantage on them because there's the swing of points. As, as we say in football, it's a six-point swing when you beat a, a top rival, and that's great. Manchester United have not been in that place for several years so it's kind of a I always think a bit of a fallacy to to walk before you can run you know so we want to beat these teams we have beaten them in the past but that's not been our problem our problem has been all the other stuff start of the season Haydar Three games we lost in three matches you expect to win That's the problem. You know, if you lose the title by one point at the end of the season, we rewind all the way back to the start of the season. and We go, those three games that we lost and we shouldn't have lost them. That's why we lost the title. It's not going to be the games against Liverpool City. They're not the ones that really count. It's everything else that kind of comes together with it. And that's where I am with it. It feels great when you beat these teams. But the truth is, and the logic states, that that's not why you win the title, simply because you beat one of your major rivals in a direct competition.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a comment or a question here, Rob, from Helen. Some comments on Lindelof and our problems still in defence, still worrying. Rob, I'll be honest with you, I don't think Lindelof is the biggest problem in that defence. I think this is how I saw it today. and I I said this a lot of times during the game, that United went out with more intent. They went out to, you're playing at home, you went out to win the game. That's what I felt. You saw with the selection, you saw with the fact that we didn't play McFred. Oli went out to win this game. It's knockout football. You've got to win these, these games. When United do go out more attacking, you always see the defensive frailties, I would say, or deficiencies. You see them highlighted a lot more just because of the fact that I just don't... There's still not a balance. United can't go and attack and still be solid in defence. That, that, that's kind of how I see it. Now, I do think that United still have problems in defence. But I don't think the defence is as terrible as people say. But then I also don't think that we can go out and play city off the park while playing as open and as expansive as we did at times today.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And and you've you've really got, again, kind of have some balance that. Thanks for the question, Helen, because I I think it's something that we've addressed a lot on this show. For me, Lindelof is not a championship winning defender. I don't look at Lindelof and his all-round game and think, wow, wouldn't I like him in my team if he didn't play for me? So that's the first that. point. I don't think Lindelof was a problem today. I actually think Manchester United did most of the defending pretty well. When you think about what they're facing, you know, it's Salah, Firmino and then Mane obviously came on later. They're playing the best front three in world football. On their day, this is the best front. You do not play any team better than this front three anywhere on the planet at the moment so of course they're having a bad moment in terms of what liverpool expects out of them but salah got two goals today they were kind of mistakes as i said from the press at the top and that was an issue but overall i don't think i'm looking at the defense and feeling the 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 bad things that i felt before when you when you look at the second goal that actually came from a, a short pass out from henderson to maguire Maguire takes a couple of touches. The defence does its thing in terms of it expands to contract, to open up the space. There was a big channel through the middle. Maguire played a perfect ball through to Cavani. The issue wasn't the defence. The issue was Cavani. So I, I always think that sometimes like uh, it depends which player makes the mistake and then that's how fans get hot. So imagine if Martial made that mistake today that Cavani made. Yeah, they would be writing novels about how terrible a human being he is, but we've kind of forgotten about it already because it was Cavani and we like Cavani. So, you know, that was Cavani's error. That wasn't the defence. So I look at the two goals today and I think to myself, Manchester United you know, can improve defensively, but I'm not seeing the repetition of mistakes that maybe we were seeing even at the start of this campaign we're seeing much more kind of a solid nature I think that Maguire sorted out his problems because he was very soft at the start of the campaign again through off the field things that were going on in his world he looks much more kind of calm and assured and then it's a case of who you know who plays there with him or whether you completely rip your defense up in the future and go and buy someone. Everyone's talking Koulibaly again because he's on the market. We know that Makana is going to be open to being signed at the end oh, of the shit. season. But these are things that we don't need to talk about today. You know, we don't need to talk about stuff that is either imaginary or not happening because they have no impact on our tactics. They have impact in the future, and we can say, okay, Paul Pogba goes, who we'd, we'd like to uh, bring in instead of Paul Pogba. But what we're talking about here is the good stuff. Paul Pogba's doing his job. United are winning games. Bruno Fernandes is fantastic after a fantastic 12 minutes at Manchester United. Things are clicking into place for a manager that everybody told wasn't a good tactical manager. And he's getting the performances he wants. (laughs) He doesn't have to be Pep. He doesn't have to be Klopp. But hey, he outthought Klopp again today. When you look at the transition in that last 20 minutes, Klopp was knackered. He didn't have whatever he needed in terms to go and win the match. He still had opportunities, but Ole won
0: the game. And that's all that matters. Uh, where I'll probably disagree on the defence, I, I agree on most of it. I think in open play, we're not making as many mistakes, but you see from set-pieces, we still do. I think if United... Look, United can go and win the title with this defence and that would be the most... You know, crazy thing—you wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. I still don't think, and we—I and I know you agree with this—that that current partnership is not a title-winning partnership. I wouldn't say, you know, uh, you know, even baye and Maguire is a title-winning partnership on paper. But you know, football's not played on paper; it's played on grass. Yeah. <laughs> so you've only got to look at the partnerships at Leicester had when they won the league. Yeah,
2: it it blows blows away a lot of the mythology. It's about a team playing well. And partnerships are really important. I agree with you. But the other thing I will say just on the defense is that, you know, as I said a few weeks ago, set pieces take time to perfect. And if you're going to take out, you know, if you have three hours a day and you decide that you're going to work on set pieces for an hour because for the two hours you're doing all your other work, then that's just the way it is. You have to kind of take that and bite that bullet if Man United want to be a more regressive side who are perfect at set pieces, then they need to go and practice them more. But that would take away something else that's winning them games and getting them to the top. So we'd be like, oh, you look, know, we're not we're not conceded to set pieces anymore. But we wouldn't be top of the league. We'd be seventh because we'd be taking away the bit that we're working on to make us better that's taking us to wins. So there is a balance always, Haydar. I agree with you. And we could always pull out one thing that's not working. We'd love Um masaka to get more assists. We'd love Scott McTominay to be able to pass a ball. We'd like uh, Pogba to run around like Fred. All of these things are all, again, like all heartbeat things. This is how I feel. They're not facts. It's trying to make sure that we get to a state where we can still win games. And that defence, you're right. It's not a championship-winning defence, but hey, if it wins the title, what's it going to be doing? It's going to be sticking the fingers up. I won't do it because we're live on camera, but it's going to be sticking the fingers up to the world. That Leicester team wasn't good enough to win the title and it won the title. It can be done.
0: Yeah, I've got a comment here from Osaka saying he disagrees with me. The partnership is good enough if the rest of the team is playing well. Maguire and Lindelof can win us the title for the most part. They aren't even the reason we lose games. I agree with that last point. I think, um, look... You've got to take in the context of the league as well. I, a lot of teams are struggling as well. United are rising above. And I think that if you were gonna say, is that partnership good enough? No, but they can win us a title. I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm actually someone that stands up the defense for the defense most weeks because actually they don't they haven't been that bad, Maguire and Lindelof. It's just that. They're not very popular. So because they're not very popular, any mistake that happens, they get blamed. So I'm actually one of those.
2: It's exactly, I mean, Yes, exactly what we just exactly said, it is. isn't it? Yeah. It's a popularity contest. So Cavani gives a ball away today and no one even blinks on social media. So Cavani almost lost us that match. Now, what people will be talking about today is that lovely header that he gets up for and hits the post with. Oh, wasn't that great? Oh, wasn't Cavani working hard? Well, he nearly lost us a game. So there, you have to talk, for me, you talk about everything. That's the way to look at it. I think our defence has actually been quite good in the last few weeks with two players that I don't think are that good. But it's facts, isn't it? It's kind of yeah, looking at them and saying, you know, they're not actually hemorrhaging goals. They're not looking particularly um, like they're exposed. We've talked about the double pivot and the effectiveness of that and that how the double pivot is there to help protect those two defenders, whoever they might be playing that week. So for me, it's a much more holistic answer. It's about the whole team and how does Ode actually put those pieces together.
0: Rob, I've had this question a few times, so I'm just going to read out uh, the one. Yeah, let's do question The Maynighted man has asked, do you think Solskjaer is moving away from McFred pivot, proof being our last few matches because we've hardly played well with them as a pivot so that's gonna be interesting we can answer that next game will likely be Matic and Pogba
2: I think yeah the answer to that is that no is not is the answer is the simple answer and the bigger expansive answer is Paul Pogba so when Paul Pogba is on form what you want is Paul Pogba in your team So there are going to be times when you squeeze him in as a number six. There's going to be times when you make him play more as a number eight. There might be the odd time where he plays more as a 10, but that's very rare. He doesn't normally do that job, but in your four, two, three, one, and that's the system that United always revert back to because they know it best. They don't have to go on a training ground and work on it hard. They know that system is programmed in their brains. If you have to put Pogba in there in the two or the three, then you have to find space for him and someone drops out. So, Ideally, if you want energy behind you and Pogba's playing in the three, you probably play McTominay and you probably play Fred. So I think that's more likely what United will do. Or today, like where you're dropping Pogba deeper and you're trying to play transition, you want Pogba on the ball a little bit more. You want someone who's got the energy to play alongside him. So you could really drop either Fred or McTominay in there. However, the statistics tell you that Pogba wins more matches as a number six with Matic next to him. So that's always in Ole's head. So Ole has to kind of balance those books and think, right, what do I do with Paul Pogba? Today it worked. Again, Pogba, I think Pogba played really well in between the lines of still doing his defensive duty, but bringing the ball forward, making sure he was receiving the ball in areas where he had more space. And I think that's half the battle for Paul Pogba. And this is why I don't think Scott uh, Scott McTominay, a player who's not popular, See, this is part of the problem, Haydar. You know, if you are popular, you get away with stuff. And if you're not, you get killed and get shot. So he wasn't that good today. And as I've said, I've highlighted that. And I think he can do better. But statistically, he did all the work, which allowed Paul Pogba to be the player that we know he can be.
0: Another thing as well, Rob, to add to Pogba is that a lot of people say he can't play when teams press. And he, he does lose possession. I know we've you don't mind as long as he's looking to be more progressive. But today, you probably played the best pressing side in Europe. Jogan Kopp's world, side possibly. in the world, yeah. the world. Yeah. And he and he was he was fantastic today. So I think that is also yeah. another myth. Yes, he does hold on to ball at times too long, and he, you know, that's fair to criticize him for that. But to just label that he can't play against teams that press, it's just nonsense. It is nonsense. And the whole thing is that if you play a team
2: that presses high against you like Liverpool do, if they've got personnel issues because players are injured and they're they've obviously they're rotating just like United were, then you can expose them. Because if you get if the the double pivot gets the ball and gets through that midfield, then it's they've basically all they've got to do is pass it to the four forwards to go forward and stream forward. And what do we do? What do United do well? Counter attack. So it's also, that's the other side of the coin, Haydar, is that in the the darker years, or maybe even just 12 months ago, Manchester United's game plan was all about counter attack because it couldn't do anything else. Now that's not the game plan. What they're saying is, do you know what? We'll take the ball out from the number six position and we'll pass it into our, our channels. We'll pass it into the striker. And then it's three on two or three on four. And we're going to beat you. And that's what United are doing. United are now challenging people more laterally, you know, almost at the rim. Again, keep using NBA analogies. You know, if you get to the rim, teams back off you because they go, whoa, this is a problem. United are doing that now. United are carving through teams and they're doing it from the defence. They're doing it from Maguire. Maguire's getting the ball and stepping out the pocket and playing the ball into the wing. And you think, ah, that's what I want to see. And that's what I didn't see last year. And that's a big tick because it means united
0: are playing front foot football. We just have to go back to the Southampton game which I think was quite a big turning point because everyone thought right this united sides in fantastic form. This was after the restart, sorry to, mm-hmm. to clarify. And um united really struggled, didn't they? Southampton were pressing, but now I do think we do struggle sometimes. You do see a few shaky moments, but generally speaking we play out the back and we we do it a lot better than we did. Even six months ago, Rob. Not even. We're not even talking about a year. We're talking about six months ago from the end of last season. So I think that's definitely a clear progression. I, I still think, like I said earlier, possibly bringing someone in in the midfield who um, you know has more of a passing range, who's more of a bit of a, maybe a character type player will help United go to the next level. But then McTominay still has a place in the squad. All these, I think, all these midfielders have their you know, they have their roles. Like, for example, Fred, if you put someone like, let's just say, for example, the Tiago next to him, I think Fred would be fantastic as the one who's looking to press the opposition. Uh, you know, everyone's got qualities which uh, other players don't have in the squad. You need to have that, you know, that different, for different games, a different player plays, that's how you beat and that's how you win, win titles. I mean, I've got a comment here. I'm going to group them together, Rob. So we've got Green Devil asking, do you think Pogba will sign a new contract. And Sherlock Gnomes is asking, what do you think about Diallo? So, yeah, Paul Pogba, do you think there's a possibility he can sign a new contract? And Diallo, by all accounts, Oli's perhaps even surprised at what he's shown in training so far. I think if
2: uh, Mina Ronaldo hadn't said what he said, I think Man United fans would have more of an acceptance of the ebb and flow of Paul Pogba. Can Will he sign a new deal? Probably not. Why? Because Paul Pogba is showing at the moment that he can play for whoever is the best team in the world. Now, Man United are not the best team in the world. Certainly not. We're getting there in terms of our own progress and pushing forward and becoming a team that we want to see play week in, week out and getting results and being at the top of the table. But if I'm Paul Pogba, you know, I'm another year older. If I don't fully believe in the transition of Manchester United to become, you know, title winners, then I'm saying, right, Real Madrid, what have you got? Barcelona, what have you got? All of these teams, you know, they're teams that are not in the greatest moments. Real Madrid well. are
0: skin, Rob.
2: Absolutely. But they're all, all of these teams are skin. Even Manchester United are skin compared to previous years. So COVID has destroyed football finance beyond compare. But I tell you what, if Paul Pogba plays really well between now and the end of the season and United win the title, there's more chance that Paul Pogba will leave because someone will pay the fee. It's as simple as that. So Paul Pogba is not playing well, it's harder to sell him. That's kind of the truth. So football fans think it's the other way around, that United are playing well, he's playing well, he obviously seems happy. You can see as well in his overall game that he's really motivated. And I saw there was one bit today where Luke Shaw had the ball on the left and he screamed at Luke Shaw to pass it to him, screamed. It's like, Luke! And the ball came to him. And I thought, he might not have got that scream six months ago. He might have just gone, well, pass it to me, but if you don't want to, then carry on. So you can see that Paul Pogba is pushing the envelope. He's trying to be the Paul Pogba we want him to be. And I would love him to sign a new deal. I really, really would. And what we heard a year ago was that that was what was going to happen. It felt that Pogba was happy to stay. That was what he instructed his agent. And the key thing here is Pogba's relationship with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He likes Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He enjoys playing for him. He enjoys his usage. And it seems that Ole kind of gives him that, that cadence you know, helps him move through the gear, puts him in positions, gives him responsibility, allows him to be the player that he is. Um, with Diallo, I think with Diallo, it's the same with any young player in the sense that you can come in and you can be hot really quickly. So let's use Yanezai as a really good example. So uh, Adnan Yanazai a, a great young talent, someone who came through the system. And in that Moyes year, he was really, really good. And after that, wasn't so great, simply because he was used wrong after that. But I think when you look at Diallo, you can see that if United play 4-2-3-1 and you want to rotate the right-hand position between Mason and someone else, then Diallo works. Diallo could come in, give you 20 minutes at the end of games, Yeah, in these scenarios like we saw today. And you might say, well, do you know what? Rather than bringing Martial on in that situation and bringing him to the left and switching all the play and make moving four positions for two substitutes, which is a problem every week. Then you drop Diallo in for 15, 20 minutes. Diallo's an explosive player. He's an impact player. You can see that he might be a, a, a contributing factor towards success this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in the United shirt. Very, very pleased to hear what was coming out United this last week about him making such a huge impact in training. Um, and that is very, very pleased and expects him to be involved in the first-team squad within a month.
0: Yeah, very, very promising with Diallo. I mean, he looks... He looks physically more ready than Pelestri, for example, as well, doesn't he, Rob? You see the pictures. And uh, I know I'm really excited. And if United can bed him in and he hits the ground running, obviously we've got to calm down a little bit on expectations. But that solves another problem on the right hand side. And United don't have to go and fish out, you know, another 80, perhaps 80, 90 million for Sancho. Although I still think that that is a move United should probably look at. Rob, final word. Man United went down a goal again, but they showed a fantastic fight. And we've shown that. Throughout the season, this team doesn't know when it's beat. One of the key things, and you saw the graphic come up during the game. United has got 21 points from losing positions. The closest person after that is Liverpool this season with 10 points. That is winning mentality. That is guts. That is a team playing for the manager. That is a team knowing when they're not beat. And that is one of the most impressive things for me, Rob. That when we went down one 0 today, I thought I expect us to come back into it. I haven't felt like that for a very very long time. So positive. United go into the next game. I believe Sheffield United. So United have to win that game. And then and then we can start thinking the next game. We've got to take each game as it comes. But as things stand, what a fantastic Christmas and January that we've had.
2: Absolutely. And I also think in terms of the project, and I will keep talking about it like that because I think that is what, what football is now. Where are Manchester United now in their project? I think United are at that position, that place that Liverpool were the moment before they signed Alisson and Van Dyke, So Alisson and Van Dyke took what was a really good Liverpool team over the top. Those two signings, that was all it took, because Klopp had spent time, you know, proper long periods of time, couple of years, sorting out other things, getting to a Champions League final, but getting beaten and kind of having Carrius in goal and making errors and, and kind of threatening to be good. You know, Coutinho comes, Coutinho goes, you sell him for a lot of money, which now looks like an incredible robbery in terms of the price that they that they made Barcelona pay. But what they did was they took those two players, and you've got to remember, goalkeeper from Roma and a centre-back from Southampton. So this doesn't have to be, you know, Sergio Ramos mark II. Yeah, it has to be the right player to get you over the top. And they might be at clubs that are less fashionable. Manchester United need to go and now maybe find that one or two players That take them over the top maybe not this year but next season so at the end of this campaign whether you end up first by winning the title in a kind of shock end to the season or you end up second third fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever I think United in the project are now just maybe one or two players short of being a proper team ready to compete for all of the honours in every match because they've got now the rotation. They bought five players in. That's helped the rotation massively. We've still got more to come from them. We expect to see more from Van der Beek, you know, even though what we've said today, Cavani's been a great pickup and hopefully I think we'll keep him for a couple of years, fingers crossed. It just means you now seem to go and find those two players positionally that take you to the next level. Is that a centre-back? Probably. Is that a central midfielder? Probably. But if you go and spend big money on those two positions, it probably means you don't buy Sancho. That's the truth. It probably means that you wait before you buy a centre-forward and you stick with a front three that's ticking and scoring your goals and and keeping you at the top of the table like they are at the moment. Then you kind of look at the positions that take you over the top. And for me, you've got to find a centre-back that can do that for you every week and maybe a central midfielder post-Pogba, that gives you Paul Pogba things because that is going to be a really, really tricky piece of business to find someone that can do it. We can put names out there into a blue in the face Hadar, but the transfer market doesn't show me at the moment that there's someone there that United could go and get. When Van Dyke was up, we all knew it. When he got Van Dyke, we went, they're over the top. This is going to win Liverpool yeah, the league.
0: You in the league at some and stage. he
2: was a, he was a guy from Southampton he wasn't a big player at a big club he was someone who had to still prove himself so for me United maybe need to do that whether it be enough Upper Meccano whether they kind of gamble on someone like Akula Bali for two or three years even though he's not the player he was these are big questions for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer but I do trust Ole in the transfer market because I think in the two years that he's operated as the manager I really don't think he's made a particularly bad signing yet van, Dy- uh, v- uh, van Der Baek might turn out to be a stinker if he can't find his way into the team but i think ultimately when you look at these signings ins done a really really good job to get united where we are
0: absolutely well said rob guys thank you so much for your interaction all your support all your comments today what an absolutely fantastic win for manchester united make sure if you haven't checked it out check out in the bottom right hand corner you can see we have partnered up with manscape there's some really great offers they have there We've got a twenty percent discount with the code being United Hour. And we will be back on Wednesday, I believe, Rob, after the Sheffield United game. This is a masterclass of the Manchester United Tactical Podcast. And we will see you next time.
1: Sports Social Podcast
0: Network.